Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. (laughs) That's right. That's good enough. (laughs) Oh boy. Let's dive in. Kristen Cherry has been a huge supporter of mine, and so today I'm giving her the mic, and she's interviewing me. Hello, hello. Hi, I'm so excited. I hit record already. I'm letting you take over the ship. This is your show tonight. Rena, I'm so excited that you're letting me take the reins of Better Call Daddy tonight to turn the tables and give your listeners a little more insight into who you are. They hear your voice on all of these conversations, but really, I think the people who become your fans would like to learn more about you. So are you ready? I am ready. All right, so what we're gonna start out with is just some rapid fire questions to limber up and to give your audience more insight into Rena Friedman Watts. What are three words people tend to use to describe you? Connector, door kicker downer, that's more than three words. (laughs) That's okay. Mother. Pie or cake? Pie. I love you. Books or movies? Ooh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to probably say movies. And would it be action or rom-com? Action. What food makes you gag when you eat it? Oh my God, that's hysterical. (laughs) White fish is the first thing that came to mind. Okay. Do you have any habits? Not good ones. Well, are they ever good? (laughs) Well, I guess sometimes they are. Well, one habit that I've been keeping for over a decade is turning off my phone from Friday sundown till Saturday sundown. How about a bad habit? Not knowing when to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Favorite pizza toppings? Mushrooms. What shoe size do you wear? Eight. Favorite vacation destination? Ooh, I love the Dead Sea. Okay, now we're going to do yuck or yum. Candy corn. Yum. Almond joy. Extra yum. I love you. Escargot. Ugh. (laughs) Pineapple on pizza. I like that. (laughs) You're so noncommittal. I like that. Full full of question in your voice. Last meal if you're on death row. Oh my gosh. Something super fattening like cheesecake and I might even have like a steak with it and break kosher. Steak and cheesecake. It even rhymes. So that's definitely, should go together. Believe in ghosts? As a kid, yes, but I don't think so now. Believe in aliens? My husband thinks they exist, so I think he's starting to convince me. (laughs) Toilet paper over or under? Over. They say that's the right way, but I'm dying on that hill with the under. (laughs) (laughs) Weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse. That's so funny, a pitchfork. Oh, that's awesome. I I don't know that I've seen that choice or or even seen the zombie movies with a pitchfork. Nice. I love it. Okay. So we are going to do a serious conversation today, (laughs) despite what everyone might think now that we're limbered up. So I want to share with your audience what your top five strengths are from the Clifton Strengths Finder. So you and I one of the first things that we did when we became friends was discover your strengths because I have to kind of know and remember you remember you always tell people that I guessed your woo 
And I just learned that woo stands for winning others over. Yes. So you say each strength and I'll explain to your audience what they mean. So woo was my number one. Right. Winning others over. So that means that Rena is really good at building rapport with people, breaking the ice with people, and there are no strangers, just friends she hasn't met yet. Next. Love that. Activator. People with activator have a sense of urgency. They turn thought into action. So when you have an idea, when you have a project, when you have a task, she's like on it. Let's get started. Let's go. Communication. People with communication are really good at hosting, speaking, describing, and they are really good at putting their thoughts into words and helping other people put their thoughts and feelings into words. So people may feel like you really get them because you know that word they're reaching for. I like that. Mm -hmm. Positivity. Positivity is the natural encourager. So people with positivity, they have this attitude of, it feels good to be alive. And they bring this wonderful, vibrant drama. And I don't mean bad drama, negative drama, but they bring this wonderful, dramatic presence to parties and groups and to the workplace because Everything is more fun when you bring someone with positivity into the mix. And your last one. Empathy. Empathy. So people with empathy can do, which, you know, I've said to you before, I don't know how you do this show when people tell you so many heartbreaking stories, but that's probably why they open up to you. Because people with empathy feel safe. People feel like they can trust you and you don't judge them. Because people with empathy listen, not only for information, but they listen for impact like how is this affecting you and you do that on your show you'll say that must have been really you know you put yourself in people's shoes I don't know if you've ever noticed you do that and then you can listen for what's not being said read between the lines it's the sixth sense that you you know what's up or something's up with people so knowing that you can win others over and build rapport and you're charming and all of that stuff you're this natural sort of catalyst to start things. You love to start things. Maybe you don't like pulling them through to the last 5%, but and knowing that you're great at putting your thoughts and feelings into words and speaking so the podcast makes sense, you're an encourager, and you can put yourself in other people's shoes. Tell me what you wanted to do when you were a child or even a teen at some point when you had a, your first sense of, this is what I think I'd like to do with my life. It's funny because in kindergarten, I wrote a story about moving to Hollywood. <laughs> oh my goodness. So notice the vehicle that you used. You wrote a story. You used your communication strength about going to Hollywood and using that woo, that natural networker, and you're a mover and a shaker. So isn't that funny that in kindergarten, those talents were already surfacing? I do think it's funny because in kindergarten, you can write about anything. Yeah, we speak our strengths though. Very early on, right? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And now you help people get seen by hard to reach people. So you still are a mover and a shaker. But before we jump to where you are now, I'd like to know these things about you, this this sense of urgency and being able to feel other people's pain and being an encourager and that 
natural connector and being someone who was expressive with their words. Did you ever hear that those strengths were negative or a bad quality as a child by anyone? My dad, honestly, from a very young age, just told me I could do anything. That's awesome. And so I believed that. What about in school or from peers, you know, teachers? Did anyone ever give you negative feedback about your strengths? Oh, yeah. Actually, this is a story that I haven't told that often, but it's very pivotal in who I am. So I was bullied in middle school and I was like, I am not going to my home high school. (laughs) I was like, I am not (laughs) going there. And so I auditioned for a youth performing arts school and literally just walked in there and sang something off the radio. I did not read all of the fine print as far as having, you know, an art song prepared or being able to sing a song in a foreign language or knowing how to sight read music. (laughs) So I went in there and I'm like auditioning alongside children who could play the piano fluently, who could sight read music, who had multiple songs prepared in other languages and I'm singing somewhere over the rainbow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so obviously I didn't get in. And then my dad went to the head of the music department and was like, my daughter is like an outside horse. She might start off from behind, but she finishes in the front. You know? And he was like, I will get her singing lessons. Please let her re-audition at the end of the summer. And so I oh my God, I learned an Italian aria and I swallowed my pride and I re-auditioned and I gave it my all and I had rehearsed and practiced and learned all the letter names and, and how to read music over the summer and I got accepted. Wow. It was a tremendous feat, but I never really truly felt accepted since I got mm. rejected the first time. And so I spent four years in high school never wanting to sing out, just wanting to to blend, hoping not to be called on, feeling second best. And it wasn't until my senior year when you audition for different colleges and for singing scholarships that I finally felt like I had made it because it's funny, but Nicole Scherzinger, who's like the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls and, you know, she's been on a zillion shows now. She took me into the music closet and said, don't look at any of the people in the audience, just focus on me. She was like, you've got this, you've prepared for this. And I did, I just focused on her and she bobbed her head in the front row and smiled (laughs) and cheered me on. And then I got two offers from different universities and I ended up going to one for my first two years of college, but I felt like I had overcome something there. I love it. Isn't Nicole Lewis Hamilton's girlfriend? Are they yes. still dating? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I so stalk I know her exactly. on Instagram now. <laughs> I wonder if she had positivity like you in her in her top five strengths because we operate out of our strengths and it's interesting that she approached you and encouraged you in that moment like that. I mean, she was like a triple threat. You know, she was an amazing dancer, an amazing singer, an amazing actress. She was like modeling through high school. But what was interesting is that I did find out that she had bulimia for years. So she definitely had her own insecurities. Oh, don't we all though? Isn't that the truth? And that's the reason why I'm asking these questions is I wanted to find out how did you eventually gain your confidence? I think a lot of that came from continuing to succeed. Mm -hmm. 
in the beginning, I totally thought it was luck. Like I, I had one good show, then I had another good show, then I got picked to be on another show, then I had worked on 10 shows, then I had reached this person and that person. And I'm like, oh my God, like this can't just be luck. <laughs> I love it. Were you telling yourself all of that time, I don't deserve to be here? Not, I don't deserve to be here, but how is this happening? <laughs> you know, it was more of like trying to figure out what my talents were. I think it took me a long time to even know what to call it. Yeah. But you can see the fingerprints of this throughout, at least up into the point of university. So tell me a little bit about post-college. I have another story that's kind of a stepping stone. Getting into college, getting a singing scholarship was amazing, but I did end up transferring to Purdue. And then when I went to Purdue, I really wanted to work in radio, like, and I wanted to work at a news station. And so I literally walked into the radio station was like, hey, I want to work in radio. And they were like, actually, somebody's leaving in a couple of days. Would you work the 5 a.m. shift? And I'm like, yeah, what do I got to do, you know? And so not only did I get a job at the Jerry Springer show by walking in and pretty much asking for the job, that happened at a radio station. That happened at a news station. I, I was an intern for WLFI, where I did a couple local commercials, and I was helping with Chirons, and I was a floor director, and I was going on shoots with them. A lot of opportunities that I've had have literally been just from asking for them. Now, do you see how your strengths, being that person who has a sense of urgency to act, being the person who loves connecting and breaking the ice with people, being able to express what you want with your communication and being an, a positive person, do you see how that compels you to ask for what you want, even if you're not confident about it? You'll do it anyway. I totally do it anyway. And actually, that gives you more confidence. Yeah. Do you feel like that's been a secret weapon? Because so many people struggle with confidence and have low self-esteem or low confidence and imposter syndrome, and then they don't go after what they want and they just sort of let their dreams pass them by. So do you feel that's been like a secret weapon of yours? Definitely. But it's funny, I was just having this conversation with my husband last night and you know, if I didn't have a husband that held down a steady job and if I didn't have a dad who I saw as a successful entrepreneur for 40 years, I might not have that same confidence because if I was in a situation where, you know, I had to work for money, I might put up with more or I might not take as many risks. That's a really good point because I'm in the same boat. My husband has the career corporate job and that's enabled me to just say, well, I'm going to quit the corporate world and start my own business. And that really affords us that opportunity to explore that maybe others don't have. But you were probably meant to meet and marry your husband to be able to en enable you to do this because I'm sure you can tell. And did you always know that you're not the sit at the desk at the corporate world kind of gal? No, I actually tried it. <laughs> Unsuccessfully. I mean, I did hold down a couple of those type of roles, but I did not feel like I was in my element doing that. Yeah, you're, you are not wired for the traditional <laughs> like nine to five day job thing. So what would your advice be to people who are listening 
who feel like they're not meant for these traditional jobs and maybe they are more creative or maybe they're connectors or risk takers or entrepreneurial, what, what would your advice be to those people? Well, before I took the leap, I'm thinking back to my last nine to fiver, I became kind of like an entrepreneur where I started really like working on my brand and developing that prior to leaving. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can get in a job where you do your nine to five and you can knock that out, but still you're working on what excites you on the side. So I was interviewing, I was going to lunch and learns. I was trying to get 1% better at the same time. (laughs) I love it. What do you love most about what you do now? I mean, truthfully, I love all of the new connections that I make and the new relationships that I make and the new opportunities that are coming my way. So if you could wave a wand and tweak anything about your current career, how would your ideal day vary from what you're doing now? I just wish that I could have more of a team. Like there's a lot that I'm still doing that I wish I could outsource. I have started to outsource, so I do feel like that is an up level. That is actually new. Like I have copywriters that I work with and I have graphic designers that I work with and I have an editor. Like I am investing in myself. That's a whole new level. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I would just like to focus on the account management side or the relationship management side and then have a team that does the rest that I can just QA or maybe not even have to QA it. Yeah. So if you look at your strengths, all five of your strengths are people facing. So strengths can be inward facing, like being a doer or an executor or being, you know, a thinker, like a strategic or analytical type person. And then you have influencers and relationship builders and all of your strengths fall in influence and relationship building. Three of them are in influence and two of them are in relationship building. So you need to spend your time influencing people and building relationships. Exactly what you said. You said the account management and and all of that, building the relationships. So many business owners, when they start working for themselves, work outside of their strengths. They end up turning their entrepreneurial venture into a job by doing their own invoices, not hiring a virtual assistant and things like that. So did you notice when you started to lean on other people for the things that maybe weren't in your wheelhouse or you didn't enjoy, did you notice you've been able to have more impact? Oh yeah. And enjoy the parts that I do enjoy much more. So what's next for you, Rena? When you think about into the future, I'm going to hand you that magic wand again. What will you be doing three to five years from now? Oh my gosh. Well, truthfully, I'm just loving the podcast. So I would love bigger partnerships there bigger sponsorships where I could just use that as like the vehicle for getting clients. And you know, there are plenty of people who podcast full time. Yeah. I I would love that. And I feel like from, I mean, literally I am booked every single day from it now. So I can't even get over it. (laughs) And it's crazy. Like so many people want to do it and you, you learn so much from just trying. Did you notice though that you get people like your podcast is is young and you get 
these big people to say yes to being on your podcast. And it's because of your strengths. People want to say yes to you. It's your superpower. Thank you. I'm having a blast with it. I mean, truthfully, I was like, if I can do this for other people, why can't I do it for myself? There you go. So I have one last question for you. I want to know what is your greatest fear and what is your greatest hope? It's funny because I just got off with a end of life doula and I have to say that I am afraid of death. And she was saying that, oh my God, she's buried thousands of people. And I asked her, I said, are you afraid of death? And she said, she's not. I mean, my grandmother's 92 and she's practically helped raise me. I grew up alongside her. She was like a second mom to me and seeing her age and go downhill has been really motivating for me in a way, but also really hard for me in a way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's part of my fear and hope at the same time. Like I hope that I can keep her memory alive. I hope that I can make her proud. I hope that I can pass the torch, but then I also fear that I might not be able to do that. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I want you to notice something about what you said. Your greatest hope was related to relationship. Do you see how your strengths set your priorities even there? Wow, that's interesting. Totally unprompted too. Yep. No, yeah, I set you up this whole way, of course. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we do, our priorities are set by our strengths. So if you talk to somebody who was really strongly execution oriented with, you know, achiever and responsibility and, and discipline, when you talk about their hope or, or their fear, they might say they fear becoming incapacitated that they can't do for themselves or their greatest hope might be that they accomplish some specific thing. It wouldn't even be related to people, but because your priority is people, your greatest hope lies in being able to carry on the legacy of your grandmother, which just shows what an amazing person you are. Oh, thank you. That also made me think of my own children. I think another one of my hopes is that they will utilize their strengths and find confidence as well. I love it. And you know that, that that's going to happen because since relationships are your priority, you're going to invest. You know, you hear the struggle with a lot of moms that their work becomes such a distraction that they don't really build relationships with their kids or spend quality time with them. And that's that's never going to happen with you because you are a relationship-oriented person. So you're always going to carve out time for your family. And that's why you're able to turn off your phone. It's tempting to want to meet lots of shiny people when you have woo. But <laughs> I think that's why you're able to turn off that phone. Because remember, you have influencing strengths, but you also have empathy and positivity. So you're going to be that encourager to your kids, that encourager, but also want to know where they're struggling where, what their joys are, how their day was uh, because of that empathy. You're a fantastic person. And thank you so much for letting me steer the ship of Better Call Daddy. Aw, I wouldn't want anybody else to do this. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. I love this. So daddy, what did you think? So what did you think of my interview and her flipping the mic? Well, I think she did a pretty good job. There's no question that your communication and relationship building you have developed to where it's not only a skill, 
but a gift. Rena's got gifts, huh? Yeah, I think so. My grandmother would say, you've got it, that special connection that you can make with people. And your show's philosophy, as we've discussed as well, is that it's about having a real live look at things where we can examine and focus in our journeys and the journeys of others and being able to learn from each other and share the highs and lows about the choices that we make. Thank God for that opportunity to see and feel choices so that down the road we can say, hey, I have enough to draw on to know what is good or what's bad and decide on making good choices and the right choices versus the wrong choices. Or as your father would say, we want to be able to increase our wisdom rating and not only understanding things for ourselves, but we can gain a lot more by showing and feeling others, including them. And the more people that we give to and we can help, the better the journey. Do you think people will be able to better understand me from that interview? I think it was very helpful, but I think that all the people that you interview feel that presence. And I think a lot of it, they understand when they're talking to you of these qualities is why they relate to you. I talked to somebody tonight and it was truly such an emotional connection. He sang to me. I loved his voice. He laughed with me. He didn't cry with me, but I've cried with other guests. And just sharing an emotion, we talked about really breaks down walls between people. There's nothing more than getting real. If you're able to break those barriers down, if we're able to show that maybe it's just a simple word that we care, people can relate to that. Today's episode is brought to you by Barber Bond. It all started when I asked my dad to manscape below the belt. Then he went to Florida to take care of my grandma. And I'm like, dad, you've got to meet Joel the barber. My dad got a hot shave and some Barber Bond and you should try it too. Best shave he's had. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.